Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. A win in this economy? The Canadians broke their seven-game losing streak in style, beating the St. Louis Blues for the second time this season, making Jordan Bennington looking foolish, which makes everybody in the world happy. It's a great day to watch Montreal Canadiens hockey. All right, I've got a fantastic show for you tonight. Cole Caulfield, we're going to talk a lot about him. Scored his 50th goal of his career in the regular season. Of course, he's got a couple in the playoffs as well. 117 games is all it took him to get there, including 30 under Dominique Ducharme last year, where he only had one, which is still impossible to think about. Uh, Kirby Doc scored. UL Armia is red hot, and unless it gets changed by the NHL, which maybe the Canadians are lobbying against, uh, Jonathan Druin broke a over one year goalless drought, which I'm surprised that people weren't getting on him that much compared to the whole Scott Gomez thing. Cause I feel like Druin gets a rough ride in this market, but Hey, good on Habs fans. And, uh, lots more to talk about with an amazing guest tonight, Miss Saturday night herself, Laura Sab is going to join us. But before we do that, you think you know the way it's going to go? Make your bet with sports interaction, whether it's hockey, football, or basketball sports interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, let's welcome in Laura. I'm excited to talk to her. Laura, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a while. I haven't I haven't seen you for like two and a half weeks. I think on a Saturday night. It's been it's been it's been some time. Uh, it's been I, I think this is three weeks now uh, that we're that we're that, that we haven't had this uh, you know this this regular meeting and it's going to be a while a tete a tete yeah it's going to be a while unfortunately before the next one because my next few Saturdays are all booked up. Hey, it happens. Don't worry. And then <clears throat> after your next few Saturdays are booked up. I'm going to have some time off in February because I guess end of February. Well, the Canadians are going to have time off for the all-star break. Then right after that, I have a surgery that I'm going to do. So I'm going to take some time off and Mark will be hosting instead. So are you going to be performing the surgery? <laughs> Am I going to be? No. no. You Did said say... there's surgery I'm going to do. No, <laughs> and surgery I was like, I'm going to get. Surgery I'm going to get. Uh, not too serious, but it's going to keep me out of uh, out of action for probably a couple of weeks uh, at the end of February there. So that'll be fun. But uh, I guess let's start things off with the saddest thing possible, and then we'll push past that and get into the fun stuff. Because this was a great game. It was the most fun Canadians game to watch in a long time, I think. And you could kind of see this coming. Like Mark and I did the last show, and we both thought the Canadians played really well against the Rangers and kind of got unlucky. Uh, Jake Allen wasn't that great. Couple bad breaks go their way, you know. Uh, they didn't really get prime scoring chances. Nobody really finished their stuff, so you know they didn't get the result maybe that they earned, which was probably about a regulation tie kind of thing. But tonight, really strong game against the St. Louis Blues. Second straight game where they held the advantage in both expected goals and high danger uh, stuff. So there's lots of stuff to talk about. that's good, but let's uh, let's talk about it first quickly. Get out of the way. Unfortunately. Dodger Toffoli is no longer with us. Cat uh, Toffoli and Tyler on Instagram for him and, and Twitter for Cat announced that uh, Dodger, everybody's favorite dog in hockey, has passed away. So very sad news for the Toffolis. I, yeah, I saw that this afternoon. Uh, I think it was Scott that brought it to our attention. And I just, it, it was, 
it, it feel, felt like kind of out of the blue, maybe not for them. I don't know what was going on there, but it, it's really sad because both of them were adopted by the city when they moved here and their dog was, I feel like even more loved yeah. than Tyler and Kat were in the city. Uh, and, and honestly, like you could tell how much they loved Dodger. You could tell how much joy Dodger brought to their lives. And it's just so sad. They seem like really good people. And they seem like this seems so undeserved and, and it's so sad. And so, you know, condolences go out to them. And, uh, you know, I, I could see that so many people were uh, tweeting at Tyler and Kat and leaving messages on their Instagram about how heartbroken they were and about, you know, their condolences. So condolences go out to them and Dodger will definitely be missed in multiple communities around North America, I think. Yeah, and the 100%. world. Yeah, this is the like the whole family was so embraced here in Montreal because of the way that they acted, right? Like, Kat was super into becoming part of the Montreal community. Tyler was a great Montreal Canadian, and then Dodger, cutest little Yorkie possible, right? Like everyone immediately fell in love. Now I heard just behind the scenes that uh, there were some health issues with Dodger when uh, Kat did uh, the show with with Mark a little while ago, so. I guess it could have been, you know, some, something to do with that. But yeah, shocking development, obviously, for everyone and, and super sad. So our deepest condolences go out to the Toffolis. Had to say something because, you know, we love them. I think Canadians fans still, I know it's been almost a year since Tyler Toffoli was traded. But I think Canadians fans are still attached to both Cat and Tyler and Dodger uh, to a certain extent. More so than I think most players who'd spent so little time here. Part yes. of that might be the cup run. Part of that might just be how much they embrace the community here. But uh, yeah, condolences to the whole family uh, of the Toffolis. But let's talk about UL Armia. Because after mm -hmm. this game, I already tweeted it. Ken Hughes is sending a memo to all playoff teams. The price of Armia is going up. <laughs> well, I feel like Kent Hughes, I don't know if it's because he's a lawyer I don't know if it's because he's been an agent. I don't know if it's our experience of him since now it's been a year since he was hired, right? No. Um, it was January of 2022. I just feel like he's always writing memos all day long. Like, I, I feel like there's a GM group chat somewhere where he's sitting there and he's like, he's getting into his agent speak and being like, this guy, that guy, he's shopping his players around. And he himself says all the time that he's making calls all the time. Like, I think that Kent Hughes is probably, if you're any other GM in the NHL, probably really annoying. I I mean, especially after what, if you're Florida's GM, he's got to be really annoying right now. <laughs> like, could you imagine you're at a GM meeting in like Boca or wherever they, they do their GM meetings. So you're on your home turf, right? You're Florida Panthers GM. And you're just at the GM meeting and you watch Kent Hughes smile. Just like not even about you, he's just like smirking in the corner and about you're something about, completely unrelated, yeah. and then you're sitting there boiling, like oh you like explode in flames. Unprotected first round pick in 2023, and the Panthers are out of the playoff picture. Like it's they're not just out of the playoff picture; they're pretty low in the standings. They are. Like, that's the like, thing. It's like they could they could legitimately finish bottom ten, like. They, they, it is a minute chance, but they could theoretically actually win the lottery. And it's not protected. Like there's like, there were zero conditions, zero, none. Who could have seen this coming? 
Kent Hughes. Yeah, the Florida Panthers are currently 11th last, so they need to drop one spot. And then the Canadians have two top 10 picks in the 2023 draft. Yes, yes. And I did see, I saw some some pro tankers upset that the Canadians won this game against the Blues. They lost seven straight, guys. Like, it's going to be okay. lose every game. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It's not like they played a game and won like nine nothing, right? Like this was still one that they barely ended up holding out, even though they played really, really well. Against a team that has Jordan Bennington. Exactly. As their goalie. So they're going to continue losing a fair amount of games. But I looked at the bench after the game and the smile on Marty St. Louis' face. Like, I know it's been hard on him because as much as he knew going in it was a rebuild, he still wants to win. He's got that, like, fire of a pro athlete. So it's, like, killing him inside to watch this. But every once in a while, having that jubilation over getting over something brutal that you've been going through, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Right. And I also think that part of it is how much better the Canadians played in the Rangers game and the Blues game compared to, you know, the five or six games that they put, even some of the ones that they won, they kind of eked out a win. Um, I think he's feeling that positivity and that maybe his message is getting across because we talked about it on our show. This is kind of like the first adversity that Martin St. Louis is facing as a coach, and we want to see how he responds to it. We want to see how he learns from it because most other coaches have had years in the AHL or even in the NHL as assistant coaches before they get to this point, right? This is the first time he sees anything like this, not as a player, but as a coach. So I was very curious to see how he would respond. And to his credit, like he was pretty honest in some cases where he was like, you know, he was he was pretty obvious about when he was scratching people or when he was losing patience with people. But at the same time, like, I was curious to see what tweaks he made. And he made some bold lineup decisions. And I joked that, you know, every game, like, I had a ritual where I would text Scott, what the fuck is this lineup? Um, <laughs> I mean, you, can, can you guys blame me? No. But, right. So, like, I, you know, to his credit, he was tweaking things and trying to send messages and things like that. Um, and so I, I do feel like, you know, ending a losing streak, it made him feel happy. But I also like that, you know, I feel like it is partly a response to the fact that the Canadians are playing better of late uh, and they're trying a little bit more. And I also do think that um, you are going to see wins. Like the Canadians aren't going to lose every game from now until the end. That is not a challenge, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I would not actually have believed that a losing, like a, a record that they had like under Ducharme was even possible until it like physically happened in front of my eyes. Like, I don't think that it, you can lose that many games in a row, right? They're going to win some once in a while, and it's fine. It is absolutely fine. I think that the Canadians, like, even when they're losing, and particularly after the trade deadline, I know, like, you know, it's going to get exciting. We're going to talk about trade stuff soon. I think particularly after the trade deadline, you want to see improvements in their game. You want to see a loss, but you want to see improvements in their game because who's going to be left after they trade those veterans is the guys that are going to be the future of this team. They might call up some people from Laval. You know, they might give people opportunities without the veterans that, you know, aren't going to be here next year anyway, or even the end of the season anyway. Like you really need to see good play. You you don't want to see your future core 
you know, play, get top six minutes or even, even just like fill out the lineup with them and you see them and they're not performing well. You want to see them progressing and improving. So yes, I believe that it's good for the Canadians to finish with a losing record and as low in the standings as possible. Also for Florida to do the same. But <laughs> I still think that like you, you want to see good things from the players that are going to be here a long time. You don't want them to adopt losing habits. You don't want them to adopt a defeatist mentality. You want them to be resilient. You want them to be creative. You want the coaches to learn how to be creative. Like this is not just a learning curve for like, Nick Suzuki is a captain or for like Kirby Doc is like the future second line center or even first or we don't know third or maybe he's going to stay a winger. This is not just a learning curve for those guys. It's not just a learning curve for Guli when he comes back. Um, it's 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 a learning. I, I didn't want to get sad there. Um, it's a learning curve for the coaching staff as well. It is 100%. This is a rookie coaching staff for by all like measures, essentially, right? And, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, getting a little bit of uh, not even like swagger in their in their steps or their strides, I guess, would be a better term for, for hockey players. But just having a little bit of happiness in their lives and not settling into that loser mentality. And we saw over the last couple of weeks here, you know, like Nick Suzuki talking after a game and saying like the power play is embarrassing. I mean, embarrassed to be part of that power play because it's so bad. And then tonight, the power play looked good. Like, I don't know about you, Laura, but watching the power play tonight, I know they only scored once. They had some good opportunities, but like Suzuki hit the post. Caulfield hit the bar twice, I think, and one of them like hard off the inside of the crossbar, I'm pretty sure. And then Doc finally scores. It ends up being huge for the game, right? And, you know, penalty killing, still an issue. You know, like, the second wave was a little bit messy. But overall, that first unit, you could tell on the last power play that they had that they were feeling it because they stayed out there for the whole two minutes. Like, right. They It was like, it got to, like, the um, the minute point or something, or, like, right before a minute, and they had a face-off. And it was like, you could tell on all of them, like, no, we're not. We're not coming yeah. off. Like, we're, we're out here. We're going to make plays. I really liked what Dvorak was doing, trying to feed uh, Doc in the middle there. I really, really liked Jonathan Drouin up at the top. He looked like a player with confidence, and I feel like he's been building that the last few games here. And obviously, he's still a defensive like liability, right? At even strength. He's not good. That line was at even strength. I believe the Canadians' worst line still. But Not surprising. You get inside the offensive zone... And hey, him and John, John, uh, John, Josh Anderson, they have some magic they can create. They they did some cool stuff tonight, and the score has officially been changed. By the way, it is Josh Anderson's eleventh of the season, so Jonathan Drouin has not broken his uh, goalless drought, even though it was going to go over the line. We have to like. Josh Anderson made the right call there, right? Like as much 100%. as it'd be great to be a good teammate, you can't like just hope that Bennington doesn't turn on and grab that slow-moving puck or that his defenseman doesn't get a stick in there. You have to slam that home. It just kind of sucks for Jonathan Druin that he had such a great game, in my opinion. And he would have had his first of the year, and it, it's not. It's, it's for Anderson instead. You know what? Something that I've noticed, and I don't know if you've had the same experience, and obviously we talk a lot to you know fellow fans, whether it is in the comments on our YouTube, whether it's, you know, people sending us emails, 
or people tweeting at us or anything like that. We, the lately it's been quiet on Jonathan Drouin. He has not been at the top of everyone's list of people they want traded. He has not been really like the focus of like, why is he on this team? Like, you know, what he's just a passenger. It's been quiet. Not to say that it's not there, but people have focused their energy on Dodonov. Um, people have focused their energy on uh, some people on Joel Edmondson, some people on Savard. And then there's like a lot of, you know, resistance to, to Edmondson and, and Savard criticism. So it's really, really interesting that things have gone quiet on the Jonathan Duran front. Um, but I will say that the last couple of games, he's looked good. The previous games, I know, mm. you know, it, it was it was a rough return for him as much as he was trying. Uh, it's, it's looking better now. And I, I don't know, is it people just think that he's going to be gone after the trade deadline? Is it just people are focused on somebody else or is it people just kind of like resigning themselves to the fact that like, you know, we've said everything that there needs to be said about Jonathan Drouin. Like we are, we've run out of criticism for him as a community, as a community. I mean, you and I and Scott have always felt that his creativity was not, uh, given it's enough due when people. People criti- criticize him, his playmaking ability. Um, and so I think just him doing this, like without us in the equation, I would hope will increase his stock with other GMs when it comes time for Kent Hughes to make some calls and get some more picks or prospects. Yeah, I think part of it might be like a resignation to the idea that like they're not going to get anything for him. So there's no point in even complaining like his contract's going to be over at the end of the year. So they're like, whatever, it's not going to happen. Cause I feel like we've seen that a little bit with Dodonov as well. And I, I think there's like a pile on that happens with every player who's struggling, right? Where you see there's some people who still like, I tweeted that I was surprised that Mike Hoffman was out of the lineup tonight. And like, frankly, if you're going to put a guy like, uh, who was it they had on the uh, like Duran on the fourth line? Keep Hoffman on the fourth line instead of Pizzetta. Like it's very confusing to me that Hoffman is the guy who's the odd man out right now because he's been playing good hockey since they finally got him going. He's been playing good hockey and people are like, oh well, no he's not Hoffman. <laughs> how? And I was like, you get so stuck in like this is what happened at the beginning of the year. I can't move off of that. And I feel like we're in the same spot with Dodonov. Mm-hmm. Where I looked at Dodonov tonight and I was like, man, this guy's hustling. He's he's doing good things. He created a goal, like uh, the second Armia goal, I believe, was a lot of Dodonov doing that work. He created a bunch of good plays tonight. I feel like that line was also the Canadians' best line against the Rangers. Yes. And, and it's a very slow process to get the whole of a fan base to recognize that like play is changing without like gaudy scoring numbers to back it up. Like right. Armia's got three goals in the last two games, right? So people are like, oh, Armia, he's playing much better. But with the Donov, where it's like a secondary assist, nobody's paying to... attention to that. Exactly. But I feel like the Donov's actually been playing pretty well for a good stretch of time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does have a little bit of value by the deadline if he can continue to improve and start right. putting up some numbers. But uh, I mean, obviously, it's still a disappointing situation because I think when the Canadians got the Donov in the summer to make that uh, Shea Weber salary trade thing work. I think most people saw that and were like, oh, sweet. Another first round pick at the deadline. Because they <laughs> were looking at Dodonov's play last year post-deadline when he was mm-hmm. playing out of spite. 
And right. Just, he hasn't brought that level of hate this year. So <laughs> Can we do gotta, something about it? <laughs> yeah, let's piss him off, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. uh, I mean, the trade deadline is still just under eight weeks away. So there's still time for him to increase his value, right? Like there's still time for the night before the trade deadline for him to still be a name going around. 100%. And the thing is, like, his underlying numbers remain relatively solid for this team. Uh, same with Mike Hoffman. Uh, less so for UL Armia, but, uh, I mean, he's been playing really well the last couple of games here. You could see things picking up before he finally started uh, getting his goals going in. And that second goal tonight, or was it the third goal? The one where he broke the ankles there of uh, Jake Neighbors. <laughs> that was like, holy crap, this man's got confidence all of a sudden. I think it was the, the first goal tonight. But uh, it's man. amazing what a little bit of positive, like even just right? a positive. Yeah. And I think it's so hard for a lot of folks who aren't pro athletes, us included, to imagine that a guy who's good enough to be in the NHL can have like a crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. But it can happen to anyone. Right. Like, Absolutely. And I think when you're in the top echelon of any sport, when you lose that, like even if it's only 1%, that losing that 1% is like your entire edge, right? Exactly. Because everybody in the AHL, they're at 98, 99%. And so you, you lose that 1% where you, you don't believe in yourself for a short stretch and just like everything falls apart. And, you know, you all are me. There's a lot of legitimate criticism, I think, of the way that he's played since he got that big contract. But I am rooting for him to actually continue this hot streak, not just to get to have some value, but to give us something to talk about, right? Because yes. it's been a brutal conversation around him for over a year. Absolutely. Not just that. Like, you know, we were just like, he's going to get bought out. No way he's not going to get bought out. Yeah, Mark is convinced that the buyout is the only thing that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, same same on our end. Um I, I, I figured there might be a chance that somebody might trade for him if the Canadians retain some salary. But uh, but no, Scott thinks he's getting bought out. Yeah, I don't know. I, I understand why the buyout makes sense, but I don't know. It's it's like extra years added on to when you're worrying about the cap as well. But right. uh, I mean, it, it's little things I think that are adding up that are starting to be positive for the Canadians, right? Armia getting going. I think Dadanov's looking good. Duran is doing what you want Duran to do. You know, like, we're not even really talking about the fact that Josh Anderson is back on a good goal scoring pace. Like he's above, I think he's at like a uh, pace to score like 23 or 24 this year, mm-hmm. which would be the second highest goal total of his career. The only problem is he's got three assists on the year, you know? So not great. Exactly. No, not great. But at the same time, it's not like he's playing with a bunch of goal scorers. So who else on his line is scoring? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem. It is. And the fact, well, I mean, also he's on the second wave of the power play and not really involved in that too much either. He's getting the, the entries though. He had a good uh, controlled entry tonight. I love, I love that you said that he had a good controlled entry tonight. That is the nerdiest thing that's been said a on good controlled entry. One, one good controlled entry. Um, I'm just enjoying that. Uh, people are asking us questions and some of the questions are fun. Are they? I can't wait to yeah. get them now. Oh God. <laughs> just as we're having, so like, obviously we're not live. So like the listeners don't know this. Just as we're talking about this, Max Habs asks us, 
Why does Yoel or Mia exist? Oh, Max, mean. The, the timing, game. man. To right? Win this game for the Montreal uh, Canadiens. He had a great game. Let's be nice yes. to Yoel or Mia for once. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll go. We'll do questions at the end. Okay. But uh, before we do that, uh, I I don't know. I did have a thing written down about Kirby Doc getting cut. And then after drawing the power play and scoring, but I feel like there's not that much to say about that, right? It's just no. good on him. Drew the penalty and scored a goal. He's he's Kirby Doc. He's really good. We all like. We him. love him. Yeah, we love him. That top line continues to do great things. But I do want to talk about Cole Caulfield because tonight. Oh, I hate doing that. That is I my least favorite thing to do. Nobody wants to talk about Cole Caulfield. Never, especially the NHL, ruining the opportunity of him immediately getting into the all-star game. Listen, Nick Suzuki, sure, sure. But it, it should have been Cole. Right. So here's the thing. It's like, so we thought that it would be Cole, right? Last year, there was basically at this point in the season, there was nobody to pick. And Nick Suzuki was in fact playing well, right? Nick Suzuki was the only guy trying every night. Sometimes yep. Nick Suzuki was the only guy where you could like associate positivity with him on a consistent level under both coaches. Wasn't he also uh, so, playing like 24 minutes a night or something like that? Yeah, he was, it, he was carrying the team, right? Yeah. So that is understandable. But this year, there's two people who, three, I would say, I, I would add Kirby Doc into that mix. Um, and I mean, not Caden Gooley at all. Uh, even though I am a card-carrying member of Ghoulie Nation, I just think that, you know, like if you wanted to objectively say which players are performing like stars on this team this year, I would give it the top line. And they all complement each other. So if you're making this decision, you could pick any one of those guys. And Kirby Doc, even though here in Montreal we're appreciating him a lot more, I would say that around the NHL, that's not it's not a big name at this point. It's not, you know, he's just a guy that is playing really well as a tree, as part of a trio of guys. So, like, Cole Caulfield is on this insane goal scoring pace. You sent Nick Suzuki last year. You know, like, how often is Cole, Ca I mean, hopefully every year, but how often is Cole Caulfield going to be scoring this much at this point in the year and getting so much buzz and night in and night out being one of the only things for us to make us jump out of our seats. One of the only things to be excited about. So I thought it would be an, it would be a no-brainer. And again, none of this is to say that Nick Suzuki is not deserving. He is absolutely deserving, 100%. But I would have, like, I truly was shocked when that came out. Like, since, like, I would say a few weeks ago, I just assumed that when they announced it, Cole Caulfield would be the guy. So... I think that it's time for us as Habs fans to do something extremely annoying, which is out Leaf fan the Leaf fans, out Sens fan the Sen fans, and like spam Cole Caulfield into the All-Star game. Because here's the thing. If Cole Caulfield does not get to go and some freaking Ottawa Senator gets a chance, like I'm going to be really upset with every single one of you. Tell all your Habs fans friends, tell all your Leaf fan friends as well. If there's a senator that goes over Cole Caulfield, you will all have failed humanity. Cole Caulfield for the All-Star game. Spam. Whatever you do, schedule your tweets. Like take the days off work. It's it's you know, it's the 12th to the 14th. It's not that it's two it's a 48 hour span where you can like, you know, do this on Twitter or whatever. Take those two days off work. Tell your family that they have to do this. So you'll be all sitting at the dinner table tweeting. Like that, that, that's what I want to see. That's the energy that I want to see. You will see me tweeting while we are recording our podcast. That is what's going to happen. 
I mean, you're getting cold coffee. That. I also what? feel I just feel like Cole would be really fun there too, right? Yeah. That, just like he brings an energy. Not that Suzuki isn't. You know, and it, it was fun seeing Suzuki there last year just to get like a little bit of positivity for him. But Cole Caulfield absolutely deserves to be there. Right. It's one of the top and then them together. The yeah. And what I mean, there's some pretty big snubs like Miko Rantanen didn't make it in Colorado. I understand that they have to take one person from every team, blah, 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 blah. But come on. Dude is like, I'm a winger. I'm going to play center while McKinnon's out and I'm going to score over a point per game. Like. What? I don't know. The All-Star game is no. weird. I still think what they need to do to make the All-Star game fun is, yes, have a, a team for each division, but then you add two more teams. All right? You add a rookie team and a sophomore team. They used to do that. Remember the Young Stars game? Yeah. It would, they would have, like, the rookies and the sophomores, but that was, like, its own thing, and they could take part in the skills competition a little bit if, if the teams wanted, but, like, it wasn't really part of the all-star game but you have the rookie team and you have the sophomore team and then you create like basically a round robin with those other teams and you have the huge cash prize at the end you want to see the veterans try at the all-star game (laughs) have them get shown up by rookies (laughs) like it would actually make it competitive i think yeah have like a before that have a chirping competition oh my god yes yes i mean if you're gonna have like a guy like brad marsh on at the all-star game you may as well have a chirping competition there you go i don't know they might have trouble keeping it pg (laughs) hates that but uh well i think it would just be such an immediate win because number one you're selling the future of the game people love that and number two you're you're able to like you could have a situation where a team like say anaheim who probably doesn't have any all-star players has all-star sophomores in zegris and uh what's the guy who actually made the all-star game whose name troy terry like they could be on the sophomore team right so you can get every team represented but it doesn't have to have like these pity all-stars on the actual division teams you can just there you go. stack them it solves so many issues it would it would be so much more fun but Cole Caulfield. Back to Cole Caulfield. 50 Sorry. goals in his career in 117 games. All-star. Uh, mm-hmm. Fastest on the Habs, I think, since... Was it since Lafleur or since Bellevue? I think it's since Bellevue. I don't, you, did, you did the math here. Yeah, they were, they were just showing it on the broadcast. But I think it was like uh, Bellevue had 55 goals in 117 games. So Caulfield is five short. Imagine what it would be like. If he didn't have to sp- play those thirty games last year under Dominique Ducharme, like even <laughs> we if he made a New Year's resolution where we weren't <laughs> we weren't going to litigate that this year, but so far it's been two episodes that I've been on one on my podcast, one on yours, where that has come up. Yep. But it is it's truly like you look at that like if you're Cole Caulfield, you're pissed, right? Because we like we just want him to be happy and to score goals, and we want him to be on our team for a long time. We want the Canadians to announce his contract sooner rather than later. We also want him to go into the All Star game, everybody this year. Um, but that like, if you're Cole Caulfield, you're like so angry about that. Like imagine the records you could have oh had God. on this storied team in 2022 or 2023. Imagine the records you could have had. Like you were, your name would be amongst the greats. I mean, it is a little bit now that we're talking about it. But just you think about this, and like in your second and a half season, you know what I mean? Like it's yep. just insane. Or third, he, like I, it's a third now, right? Twenty. 
Yeah, it's his third season, but he only played like the ten games or whatever of uh, the the first season. There you go. So it's right. like your and second and a half season. But I think I ran <laughs> the numbers around the time. Uh, I think when he hit forty goals, and it was if he had played at the pace that he was scoring at under St. Louis, but like 50% of it, those first 30 games, he would have been the fastest Hab to 50 goals in his career since Maurice Richard would have been second all time. Like, wow. Wild numbers. Wow. See, like like, that's the thing. Like he has some advantages in that. Like, I'm pretty sure Bellavo made the league at like 18. So it's harder to score at 18. than It is at like 2021. Right. But still, this is like an unprecedented player for the Montreal Canadians for 30 years, 40 years. That's it's a incredible. long time. It's a very long time. It's incredible. And I think there's an underrated part of Cole Caulfield that nobody ever talks about. He hasn't taken a penalty this year. In fact, every time I want to bring that up, I'm scared. <laughs> I know, right? Jinxing it. But his whole NHL career, 117 games now, he has six minors. Like, this guy should be the Lady Bing winner. How I mean, can he probably have, will be. How can you play on a team as bad as the Montreal Canadiens and not never get frustrated? You know, in that 30 game stretch where he scored one goal under Ducharme, how did he not get frustrated and take a bunch of penalties? I, I can't How did he not that. like hit Dominique Ducharme with the hockey stick? Is what I want to know. Just like harpoon it straight from the ice, <laughs> right? It, or break cold, it over. Come his off the head. power play. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, like, but legitimately, you're right because I mean we talked about it. Like even Nick Suzuki, consummate gentleman. Couple, you know, we talked about this a couple of months ago. Now at this point, where he like threw down. Against the Oilers, yep. Like even Nick Suzuki will lose his shit once in a while, but Cole Caulfield, not at all. Even like, like his attitude, you know, when he was under Dominique Ducharme, like he wasn't out there complaining or passive aggressively making comments. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure he was he was. I hate the word silence because it sounds a lot more sinister than it is. But he was not encouraged to be forthcoming and transparent and available to the media and fans. But he, you know, he never complained. He never, there was never any of that, like those digs at the coach or whatever. It was all about himself and his own performance. And obviously the Canadians did kind of start shielding him a little bit from having to like go out there and all of that. Like, but it just like that attitude is just amazing. And so, you know, it might be easier if you're that talented to kind of have that attitude. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's one of those, but the way that he carries himself it's just so much joy right i i want i want lessons from him as to how he manages to stay so positive not only that but like he has a joyful effect on his teammates as well they love him they adore him i mean you look at i think it was uh against the rangers they showed like the the warm-up in the hallway and this is a team that's lost six straight most of them blowouts and he's hopping around doing like a three foot vertical jump to high five Joel Edmondson, you know, cause he's so tiny and, you know, bumping butts with the, uh, that sounds I think terrible, it was... but like, like a hip check <laughs> on, uh, on Jack guy, I think it was like, he's yeah. just so infectious that like, you can't help, but be happy to be going to work. You know, if you're, if you're on the Montreal Canadians and like you talk about Nick Suzuki and like, yeah, he gets frustrated sometimes and takes a few penalties. 
Nick Suzuki, 16 penalty minutes this year. Only eight minors in 40 games. That's not a lot. Uh, he has more penalties this season than Cole Caulfield has in his whole career, plus playoffs. Wow. 137 games of NHL hockey for Cole Caulfield. 12 penalty minutes. Pe- penalty minutes. That's it. That is incredible. Lady Bing. That's what I'm campaigning for him this year. Last year, it was Calder. This year, Lady Bing, all-star. Yes, all-star. 100%. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I, He's probably going to end up winning the Lady Bing, knock on wood. Hopefully, we didn't jinx him because like, the voting for that is just like everybody looks up who has the least penalty minutes, and that's who wins. 100%. That's yeah. how it works. That is how it works. I just think you, you combine the lack of penalty minutes with the scoring, the, obvious frust- uh, the scoring for sure, but the obvious frustration of being on a bad team yeah, and being relied on every night where you're getting checked from behind all the time because you're like the big scorer. Like he gets run a lot, even though people pretend that the first time he ever took a hit was uh, that accidental hit against, was it the Flyers? No. I think it was the Flyers. Was it the Flyers? Uh, yeah, uh, so like he, he does get hit a lot. He gets slashed a lot to not lose it and like elbow a guy or slash a guy back and get called for it. I just think it's phenomenal. And like he actually draws penalties as well. So Cole Caulfield underrated. That's what I'm going to say at this point. Underrated. <laughs> He's underrated. And I know that's going to make a lot of, you know, opposing team fans angry. Just deal with it. He is underrated at this point. Uh, It's just like the other thing that you pointed out, right, is how much he plays. Like literally how many minutes he's physically on the ice and he's not taking those penalties. Yep. Like just statistically, he should be taking them more. Just like based on math. Yeah. Just for being on the ice. Accidental calls, you know? Right. The odd puck over the glass. But no, Cole Caulfield, zero penalty minutes this year. Only 10 last year. Two in the 10 games to start his first uh, year of his career. Absolutely incredible. All right, should we take some questions, Laura? Let's do the questions. All right, Megan at MIG14 says, Will Cole Caulfield score a million goals? Yes. 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 Cole Caulfield will break the, the goal scoring record right after Obi does it. Immediately after. Just like three games later. <laughs> <laughs> He's wrapping up. Uh, Christian Panti uh, Chris, uh, at Chrissy underscore Panty says, are you are your holiday decorations put away and your thoughts on the D formation without Ghoulie? Mine are not, uh, because my oldest ha- doesn't even go back to school yet until the ninth, so we are stuck entertaining him every day. Uh, my youngest went to daycare on Wednesday for the first time, so yeah, we're we're not doing that. All of our lights are up. Probably be mid next week that we do that. How about you, Laura? I didn't actually put any up this year. Um, I, spoiler, not spoil, whatever, personal life alert, I'm moving uh, this, this in 2023. Uh, and I had already started packing away all of my stuff. So I had put the Christmas decorations away and my parents were not visiting me this year. So I just never put them up. So <laughs> I had a lot of panettone, but no Christmas decorations. So I'm good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, your thoughts on the deformation without Ghoulie? I think desperate times. <laughs> Look, <laughs> even with Ghoulie carrying around all it, those corpses, it's like, still it desperate sucked. times. Yeah. Right. So, like, without him, it's like even more dire. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I think Savard is the best vet on the team. 
and I don't think he's very good. <laughs> That's uh, actually, a problem. I he had a great night, except for the one uh, bad pinch that created the, I think it was the first goal of the game for the Blues. But overall, after how bad Edmondson and Savard were against the Rangers, I thought they they were okay tonight. Edmondson still they recovered. They but, recovered. Uh, but Edmondson, there's something going on there. Like he's not this bad all the time. And I know he was helped a lot by by being Jeff Petrie's defense partner. Like that had a lot of effect on his numbers. But he shouldn't be this bad. Yeah, no, no, it's not this bad. At the very least, Edmondson in recent seasons, and like sure part of it is from Petrie carrying the load, but he can make quick decisions with the puck, and that's not happening this year. It, it, it I don't know, like I, I feel bad going in on him a lot because I know he's dealt with a lot in the last year. You know, like his father passed away last year after a long battle. He's had so many serious injuries that he's had to gut through, and he's probably not 100% healthy. But it's been an ugly scene this year. It just hasn't been working out at all, unfortunately. Yeah. But, you know, he's still got that uh, Stanley Cup winner and Stanley Cup run on his resume, so... And the crop tops. And the crop tops. Can't uh, can't say that. I know I, I look at that situation and I think of like Sherratt last year and how bad Sherratt was despite, you know, he scored a few goals and it doesn't matter. NHL teams, they, they don't care. They just see big cross checky man and they still want him. So I was talking here's to, to here's to old school GMs. Exactly. An unprotected we first, to? please. <laughs> but uh I was talking to uh, Red Wings fans during the game a little bit because they were all complaining about something Sherratt did against the Leafs and uh, how like he needs to be on the third pair no matter what he's paid. And I was like, this is like my timeline from the last three years. But has there ever been a player who has had like a more cushy gig than Ben Sherratt over the last like five, six years? Here's his defense partners. He has been with Dustin Bufflin, Shea Weber, he had a stretch with Jeff Petrie last year while Weber was retired or injured. And now Moritz Sider in Detroit. Like, man, imagine how bad this guy would be if he was stuck with somebody of equal talent. I just love it. An Good unprotected first. Unprotected first. Plus things. Plus like a prospect and like a fourth round pick or something. Yeah, yeah, that was that one was Smolonic, right? Yeah, so, it was Smolonic. Yeah, I always I always think it's Emil Heineman because I know he was drafted by Florida, but he was traded no. previously to Calgary in the Sam Bennett trade, and right. Yeah, so that was I think in the Toffoli trade. Yeah, that came over in yeah. the Toffoli trade. Uh, all right, what else is there here? Uh, Barris Fueler says, "Whose season so far is more shocking, the Blues or the Canadians?" I don't find the Canadian season shocking at all. This is. I thought they'd be one. worse. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. I, at the beginning, definitely, they played over their heads. But overall, I think they're about where I expected them to be. You know, I think Marty St. Louis is kind of getting rag, uh, dragged over the coals lately. But people need to remember that, like, this team at this time last year had Arturi Lekkanen, had Jeff Petrie, had Tyler Toffoli, right? And they were worse than this. Yeah. <laughs> I think they had seven wins. So that is truly shocking. This year, they're six wins behind their 82-game pace last year. Like We're about halfway through the season. Got one more game. So not shocking to me. St. Louis, 
they're a bit shocking, I guess. But again, not a team that I expected to be good. They're, I think how bad is shocking? Not like I expected them. They were already on the decline last year. I expected them to decline a little bit further, but not to this extent. Yeah, I think last year they had like they were they massively out, outperformed their like expected goals last year. I believe they made the playoffs and actually gave Colorado a pretty decent run in the second round. But uh, losing Vili Husso and sticking with Jordan Bennington, I think, was a big hurt for them. Every and, time someone says Jordan Bennington, I start laughing. I know, right? You just—it's <laughs> so there's so much Schadenfreude whenever he gets lit up. But uh, I was sad that he didn't lose it tonight and try to like go after somebody because that's always my favorite. Is when he's like completely destroyed his team's chance of winning, and then he's like, "I'm going to be a tough guy now," and then run to the bench, <laughs> or like throw Sorry. a water bottle at like Nick Suzuki's head. Oh God! Of course, it'd be Nick Suzuki. Yes, the only person of color. No offense. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, that is the... Okay, what am I trying to say? You're Jordan saying Bennington. that that is what Jordan Bennington does. Yes, yes, that's what I'm trying that to is say. What we're, that's what we're saying. Yes. What I said last year in the playoffs, if it was anybody who wasn't Nazem Kadri who ran him, he would not have thrown Somebody. him the bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Other questions that we had here. Uh, does Anderson owe Druen an apology steak dinner? I think no. I don't know if it's an apology, but I would still buy him a steak dinner. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I think that's cool. I think Anderson tried to get them to make it Duran's goal. Just by yeah. the way, like they did the huddle after, and you could see Duran was kind of like saying, like, who should go first on the like line to the bench to like bump fists? Mm-hmm. And Anderson was like, You go. And yeah. Michelle Lacroix was like, Yes, let's announce it as as uh, as Druan. And the NHL was like, mm-hmm. It no, was, it was Anderson. So I think Anderson did the only thing that you could reasonably expect a player to do and, and put it home. Yeah. All right. Max Habs. We already went over that one. Uh, Edno Silva. Not a question says great game by Suzuki. Agreed. And maybe this is like a waking up point for Suzuki. I feel like he's been getting better the last few games, but he did have a bit of a slump, eh? huge i thought like where he just didn't look dynamic at all tonight he looked good like he had some really good looks he hit the bar hard and i think he had two assists two primary assists and he looked really good tonight like yeah i thought his passing was really crisp defensively he looked good maybe we're seeing uh nick suzuki get hot again yeah Let's see. I think so. I like. I think for him, the way that I was reading it was just kind of the way that his frustration was showing was not necessarily an antics that you would expect a young guy to kind of do. Mm-hmm. But the frustration was showing and sort of he started skating around with the weight of what he'd been doing. And everybody yeah. needs a break. Everybody needs a mental break. Everybody needs a physical break sometimes. And so like the way that he was carrying himself on the ice, he wasn't deliberately or like he wasn't like a passenger, but it felt like there was weight on him. And the weight was like everything that he needed to do on a night in night out basis in order to like barely carry the team along with his two line mates. But let's face it, like he's the the, the person who's like, if Nick Suzuki's having a bad night, Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield, they're probably going to have a bad night. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And <clears throat> I think we we've, we've seen that before with Suzuki, where he like the pressure on him is so severe compared to most players in the NHL. Frankly, like there's just not very many players, not just his age, but at all, who are the coach's first choice at even strength power play, shorthanded, overtime, penalty shot. Like everything is okay. Let's throw Suzuki out there. So like, he's always the first choice. So that is an added pressure, right? And you have pressure to score because the first line is the only line that scores consistently. He has pressure on himself to defend because he's known as a good defensive player. He's playing top line minutes. He has a lot of minutes that he's playing every night. Like it's just a lot. And for a season like this, I think everyone needs to take a little bit of perspective that it's an 82 game season where they're in rebuild mode, there are going to be times where even guys like Caulfield probably will have a stretch where they just like don't feel it, right? And I, I think we just saw Suzuki go through that stretch, and it just so happened at the same time he was regressing from a really hot start to the season. Um, Jackai the Sheriff, Sofia Paula, says, uh, Cole Caulfield, not a question, but agree. Uh, how many goals? This is from, <laughs> okay, good name, 69 Orgy Buddies. How many goals would Cole Caulfield have to score before someone in the Habs fan base made a full video where Tom Holland is replaced with his face in the Umbrella Lip Sync Battle video? And he's got two videos on here. Did he actually do this? No, Are we he did gonna... not. Okay. So, he did so not everybody make... knows the Tom Holland video. Yes. Um, I think if he gets to 40 this year, somebody needs to do it. I mean, the challenge has clearly been laid, right? Right. So it's just, I know how annoying that edit is going to be. So, <laughs> Yeah, somebody who knows how to deep fake and, and has the programs purchased already, you can throw that out there. But hey, maybe we should just ask Cole to do the dance. I bet you he'd Oh my god, it. how amazing that would that be? Let's get him into the All-Star game. Let's go! Let's get him into the All-Star game. Let's do it. All and right. then make him do the dance. Cole Caulfield. He does the dance when he's doing the like the what's the the, the competition? Yeah, like that one. He like he uses the like um the hockey stick as an umbrella. There you go. He does the dance. There you go, Cole Caulfield. If we get yeah. you into the All Star game, you unfortunately somebody show this to Cole Caulfield and his mother. Have to dance the umbrella by Rihanna. All right, that's all we've got for you tonight, Laura. Thanks so much for joining me here tonight. Uh, obviously, everyone follow Locked On Canadians wherever you can get your podcasts. And follow Laura at The Active Stick on Twitter. Thanks to everyone for watching. Make sure you like and subscribe. It helps us out. Uh, hopefully, we can be back to live videos as soon as possible. As fun as this is to do with Laura with no distractions, uh, I enjoy interacting with the live chats because I enjoy our, our loyal viewers. And I hope that this detour into recorded videos doesn't detract too it's much brief. from your enjoyment of the videos. I hope it's brief. All right. We'll see you all next time. I believe the Canadians' next game is on Monday. I'll be back for that one with Jared Book from Eyes on the Prize. We're just all the Eyes on the Prize people reuniting for Game Over Montreal. That's what I continue to do. It's all right. It's fun. We'll see you then. Game Over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.